You're listening to Nightlight. Hi there, and nice to be back with you again for another edition of Nightlight. And very nice to have back with us on the show, Melvin, speaking to us over Skype from Texas in the USA. We have a guest tonight on Nightlight. Melvin, where in Texas are you speaking to us from? I forget, is it Austin or San Antonio? Yes, I'm in San Antonio and I'm I'm happy to be here. Nice to have another class to be recorded so that uh, the word can get out. Yes. (laughs) Melvin, every time you come on Nightlight, you have just so much to share from your in-depth studies of the scriptures. And I'm so eager to know which topic are you going to teach us today? I've been going through these uh, scriptures and studying on, you know, the fullness of of God. And it's uh, really amazing. It's like a topic that a lot of times uh, people don't get into. People sometimes just want to hear again and again and again something that inspires them or something that encourages them. And, And it's important for us to have that encouragement and that inspiration. But Sometimes people just, uh, you know, anchor their ship in those shallow waters to where it has to be something that, you know, they want to read on the go or they want to just listen to, to, you know, to just feel like, okay, God loves them. That's right. But it is time for, you know, us as Christians, who's already been a Christian, who's been born again for some time, to really stretch out our faith and also to go deeper into God's Word. Right. And so uh, a lot of times that is where I used to stay too. It's like to just stay where uh, I would be inspired by a message and I think, oh, that was great. But it never really got into the deep roots of my my faith. And so I found myself just trying to be encouraged uh, all the time and not really growing in the fullness that God wants me to live in. If you really look at the messages that Jesus taught, uh, you know, if you look at his words, even Paul's words for that matter, they usually encourage people, but they really got into the deeper things of God so that people could grow into the fullness of yes. God. And, and a lot of times if we are not growing into the fullness of God, we are not really experiencing God uh, the way he intended for us to be, uh, for us to experience him. We think, oh yes, God is love and God is peace and God is love, all of that, and which is, which he is. But he's much more than that, and he he wants us to experience him in the supernatural, not just in a soulish realm, but also in a spiritual realm where our spirits are now interacting very readily with our souls, and our soul is now being dominated by our spirit and not just by, uh, you know, things that are happening in the world or things that uh, uh, we receive. Uh, from the world. You know, sometimes I teach in a church uh, where I work, uh, the Christian school. Sometimes a pastor asks me to teach a class uh, to all the teachers and the students in the chapel. And I can see that most of the time it has to be all, uh, you know, songs like This Little Light of Mine, I'm Gonna Let It Shine, you know. And it's a good song and we all sang that, right, Simon? Right. We all sing that song. One day I was singing it and I started seeing that you know, we don't have a little light. You know, God has not given... I mean, it's cute for the little kids to do that. Right. But for an adult, we have the same light that Jesus has. You know, we don't have a little light that we are shining. I mean, even that is good, but I'm saying most people don't shine it. 
But the fact is that we have to be looking at we are the light of God on this earth right now. Jesus said it. That's right. And and the only way that Jesus can shine through us is if we are walking in the fullness of God. But we settle down to the common denominator of, oh, okay, Tom, Tom is doing that as a Christian, so I'm okay because I'm also doing what Tom is doing. So we grade along the, uh, you know, the curve instead of really knowing, Father, what is it that you want me to grow into? Very good. You know, it's not because somebody else is doing this or somebody else is that or, you know, a book comes out in the Christian world and everybody's like, okay, that is it. No, for you personally and for me personally, our growth is not according to other people. Like I know for me, you know, I'm just desperate means I'm so excited and, you know, desirous to want to know and walk in the fullness of Christ because I know as the time is drawing near, Uh, for the coming of Jesus, you know, somebody just trying to encourage me is not going to do it. I need to know that deep inside of me, you know, I'm walking in the nature of God and, you know, I'm walking in the supernatural. Otherwise, soon there won't be anybody to encourage us in that sense. We don't know where we're going to be and we have to get into the meat of the word so that we can walk as God is intending for us to walk. Again, I'm not teaching this class or sharing this class uh, because I have arrived or looking down on people or anything like that. On the contrary, I'm really excited that I have a lot to learn and to grow and to go into. The light is always on with Nightlight. Now, before I start the class, you know, I like to share a testimony, Simon, was that, you know, I'm not out a lot praying for people like as a ministry. I pray for people that, you know, I know are sick. But, you know, the on, on the 31st of uh, last year, I mean, December, I was getting ready to go to visit my daughter with my wife and my older son. He had come down from London. We were ready at 1, 1, 1 I was just about to go get my car packed up. And then I had my neighbor, he's, uh, you know, he's from South America, but his wife is uh, Mexican-American. She's a very sweet lady. I mean, she's, I think, in 25, 26, maybe. She has a daughter. We interact a lot. I even started, you know, teaching her Bible classes, but her pastor, the church she goes to, told her she should not be doing that. Why is that? I don't know. Maybe because she think, you know, he thinks that, you know, she might start tithing to me or for whatever reason, you know, he didn't want her to come. So she, Gosh. you know, she said, Melvin, I really want to, but my pastor told me not to, so I can't. So I said, no, that's fine. You know, it's not a problem. And that happens a lot in churches because the devil is not happy with a lot of uh, in-depth teaching. So right. uh, anyway, so... Uh, so he came over and he doesn't speak good English, but on his phone, he translated what he was trying to say. And I could read it and it said that my wife is possessed with the devil. Whoa. Can you come? Gosh. And so I didn't even hesitate. I told my wife, I'll be back in a minute. I'm going to the neighbors. And I went over and, you know, it's really amazing, Simon, that I had no fear. I, I mean, I was just so excited and I was talking to the husband about the weather and he was looking at me like, my wife is possessed and you're talking about the weather. But, you know, we walked over to the house and he said, let's not go from the front, let's go from the back. And so when I went there, there was three people there. There was a pastor, her pastor, 
uh, pastor's wife and one of the elders, and they had her pinned down on the couch. And, and this pastor is really big. I mean, not like fat, fat. He's really a strong-looking guy. And had him had her down, and she was fighting him, kicking him, you know, abusing him verbally, trying to tear off his uh, shirt. Gosh. So when I walked in, that was a condition, you know, and. She looked at me and she started sneering with like this funny kind of a smile and she said, Melvin, leave the house. And so I said, no, I didn't come to leave. You're going to leave. And so the spirit talked back to me and said, no, this is my body. I will not leave. I mean, in a way, if I looked at it from the flesh, it was scary <laughs> because her eyes was all like crazy. And so I said, no, in the name of Jesus. And she started screaming. And the pastor is holding her down on one side. And I took all of the other hand and I was holding her down. And then I realized, see, this is not what we're supposed to do. So I let her go and I told the pastor, take your hands off her. And so as soon as he took it off, she started kicking her. So I said, in the name of Jesus, you will not kick the pastor. And so she pulled her legs back and she didn't. And then she tried to punch me. And I said, no, in the name of Jesus, you will not touch me. And so she took her hand back. And so I saw that the spirit started to obey. Uh, you know, whatever I said in the name of Jesus, I know it, it has to obey. The last time I did something like that was a long time ago in India. And so, you know, my flesh was like, let's get out of here. But I knew that I was not going to leave till this thing left. And so I started, you know, laying hands on, I put my hand on her forehead and I started, you know, casting it out in the name of Jesus. I said, no, you, you, you can't stay in this body. There was so much going on, actually, that... Uh, at sometimes it was so funny, you know, when you hear an evil spirit talk to you, that's crazy. And then, you know, it took like almost 40, 30 to 40 minutes. At one time, I was praying over her and I started rebuking the spirit in tongues. I mean, I've never done that in my life wow. publicly. And here was the pastor and his wife. And so I didn't even, I was not even conscious of them being there at that time. I just started speaking to the spirit in tongues and she just jumped up and she started freaking out. And so the more I spoke in tongues, the more she, uh, you know, the spirit couldn't take it anymore. And then she got up and she was trying to throw up into a bucket. Gosh. And so we stood her up and we started praying and then she just fell flat on the ground and she just passed out. And the spirit left her. Wow. So I told the pastor, you know, he, she's fine. Uh, she'll be fine when she wakes up. And so I went with my family to uh, Austin. And while we were there uh, having dinner, I called her and she was all happy and joyful. She was out with her husband having dinner. She was all healed and excited, right? <laughs> was she aware of what had happened? She wasn't. But, you know, when she woke up, she knew something had happened. And her husband told her all about it. And so I had a, you know, I had this uh, feeling in the spirit that, you know, she is not really saved, even though she's going to a church. And so I felt like I need to go and start uh, teaching her about salvation and the Lord and the new creation. And so it, a week passed. And, uh, you know, I didn't go over because of, you know, you know New Year and you know, traveling and all of that. But then... After, I think, a week into January, I had a call from her husband, and she said, the husband asked me to come over. So when I went over, uh, she was persistent again. Wow. As bad as the first time? 
Yes. And she was possessed. And as soon as she saw me, she was like, Melvin, get out of here. You know, she knew me. But I mean, every time you say the name of Jesus, she would cuss and freak out. And so it wasn't the person who knew me, it was the Spirit. Right. It's not like she's rejecting the Word or rejecting Jesus when she's normal. It's just that uh, the Spirit knew who I was. And so for like five minutes, we were just playing around, actually. <laughs> I was playing with the Spirit and, you know, the Spirit was trying to make fun of me and all of that. And <laughs> then I started, but this time I knew that the spirit had to leave so i wasn't you know that intense i was more relaxed and you know but i was still casting out the spirit in the name of jesus it took me like i don't know it's not me it's not me it's jesus it has to go through my soul anyway after like 30 minutes 35 minutes uh you know it left her and so the next day i went back to her house and i said look i need to make sure that you are saved right yes and I started going through the salvation and I understood that she didn't really know what salvation was. She just knew Jesus in that sense. And uh, so I went through all of the scriptures and she finally understood that uh, salvation is to make Jesus the Lord coming out from one lordship to another lordship. A lot of times people don't do that. They still remain under one lordship. Yes. Uh, and they might go to a church or they might say that, you know, yeah, yeah, they believe in Christ, but they have not switched from one lordship to another lordship. Shining bright in the dark night, you're listening to Nightlight. Oh yeah, while I'm talking about it, let's go to that one verse uh, I want to show you in Acts 26. Acts chapter 26. Yeah, we're going to verse 17. Verse 17, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. The next one. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Yeah, now here Paul is actually, you know, he was brought before Agrippa, the, you know, the king, and uh, he was given a chance to uh, testify. And so Paul was uh, talking about his past and how he was uh, killing and persecuting the Christians till one day Jesus appeared to him, right, you know, on the way to Damascus. And he's quoting exactly what Jesus told him. Yes. You got to see right here, right uh, when Paul was converted, even before he was converted in a sense, Jesus was saying the purpose uh, was not to just condemn Paul and say, Paul, you're, you're killing the Christians and I'm going to send you to the hell if you don't get saved. No, Jesus said the purpose. There was a purpose for it. And that was to get Paul ready for a ministry. And now he's sending him to a people or Gentiles to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. So... According to Romans chapter 10, verse 9, the Bible says, you know, if ye shall say the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Sometimes it's not just somebody saying, yeah, yeah, I want to receive Christ. Uh, I know I'm just repeating something after you. It is actually something they believe that they're passed on to righteousness from their heart. 
And that's why, you know, sometimes we go through these things. There are, there are people who say they're Christians, but they're not really saved because they have never made Jesus the Lord, right? Yeah. See, it's a switch. And that's what Jesus is saying here in Acts. He's saying, he's telling Paul that you're going to turn them from darkness to light, from the lordship of darkness, which is Satan, to light, that is to God and to Jesus Christ, and from the power of Satan onto God. So there is, you know, two powers, and that one power is from Satan, and that's a power that rules the world today. And sad to say, a lot of Christians unknowingly are still under that power. Even though they've been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of the Son of God, they don't live like that in the sense that in their mind, they're still in bondage to the power of darkness. Right. And that's where, you know, the fruit of darkness, fear, worry, anxiety, depression, strife, heart, jealousy, enviousness, unforgiveness, depression, all of that is because of accepting in your mind the power of darkness. Now our spirits could be saved uh, and translated from the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus was talking about in Colossians. We've been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God. That is our spirits. But if our soul is not lining up with our spirit, then our recreated spirit is not able to dominate our soul, our thinking, our emotions, our feelings and attitudes. So a lot of times Christians are still under the power of darkness in the sense that all of their attitudes, mindsets are controlled, dominated and led by the world. And that's where you see, you know, so much bickering, jealousy, enviousness, strife going on in churches and in Christian homes is because even though they, they are saved, their spirits are recreated, are they ready to go to heaven if they die? But in the soulish realm, that is their thinking process, they are still very much dominated and controlled by the old man, yes. not by the new man. And because of that, uh, we are not able to walk in the fullness of God. See, when the Bible says to walk, uh, Simon, it's not talking about all and all together. The walking is what actually manifests in the physical realm. Like, say, for example, if I'm walking in the peace of God, that is all the time. It's not based on circumstances. If your peace is based on circumstances, the peace of God is not manifesting in you, but you just have a peace like everybody else has that is kicked around by circumstances. Right. But see, the thing is, uh, the Christians, they, they just uh, can, you know, convince themselves that they're walking in the peace of God. No, the walk is when what you're experiencing in the world. It's not what you, who you are in the spirit. In the spirit, you have all of that peace, love, joy, you know, goodness, kindness, faith, self-control. All of that is in our spirit. But how many Christians are walking in self-control? No, we are not to, to the degree that God expects us to walk. How many of us are really walking in love? We walk in the love just like the world has that love. So we use our willpower to, to love people, and that is very limited. That's not what God is saying. God said, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Yes. It's in our hearts, it's in our spirit, it's already there. In order to walk in it, it has to come out through your soul, and now actions follow that love. But because uh, Christians are trying so hard to love people with their own love, the human love, they get frustrated, they fall short. Same thing with peace, same thing with love, same thing with joy. 
what we are experiencing in the world is not what god intended for us to experience the bible says in him are the are the fullness of joy what it means is that under any circumstances you can be joyful but that's not what we experience we experience happiness which is actually uh, controlled by our circumstances and so we are like a yo-yo going up and down not even one day you know in the morning we wake up all grumpy that it's raining and we have to go to work and then we start off like that all through the day this is the day that the lord has made be right rejoice and be glad in it that is the joy of the lord it is not something that goes up and down whether you have sunshine or not anyway i'm not you know going into that and so what happens simon is that even though our spirits are full of god our soul that is you know all of our thinking attitudes feelings emotions all of that is not experiencing it and that's why grace is given to us yes because god knew even though our spirits are recreated and we have everything we need in our spirits our soul is not able to receive that because of all the programming that we have in our mind every day and for the years that we start accumulating uh, that stops us from really receiving what we have and so if you go to titus chapter 2 verse 10 and 11 actually 11 and 12 i think yeah. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Next one. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So, you know, Paul is talking to Christians here. This is the, you know, uh, he's writing to Titus. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's saying that the salvation... right for for the grace of god uh, that bring us salvation hath appeared to all men so it is already appeared the whole world since 2000 years can access the grace of god and receive that salvation uh, that comes through jesus it's already given to the world amen but then the verse 12 paul is saying the same grace he's teaching us he's talking to us as christians and what is grace teaching us denying ungodliness and worldly lust so we have a teacher so you know grace is given to us to teach us and that's why paul in uh, romans chapter 5 and 6 was talking about you know where sin doth abound grace doth much more abound now a lot of times people think that you know oh grace doth abound means you know the more i sin god's grace is going to cover it all up that's not what that verse is saying yes That's what I thought and you know I didn't think twice before walking in sin even as a missionary sometimes because I just said oh grace will cover it blood of Christ will cover it no that's not what the bible is talking about yes all our sins are forgiven Jesus did that but that is not for us to walk in sin now we will sin sometime or the other and grace is there to teach us but what is saying here is that you know when there is sin the power of grace is abounding more to help you and teach you through that so you don't walk in sin for a long time i didn't understand that you know i thought i had to fight my own sins with my will power and put it under subjection or go to the other extreme and say oh it doesn't matter god is just going to forgive me and everything is okay yes it is true if you are truly saved and you are a recreated spirit even if you sin If you die you go to heaven. But that's not why just Jesus came. He didn't just come to forgive us our sins. He can forgive us sins from heaven. 
The reason he came down uh, and lived a human life and died on the cross is so that when he rose from the dead, now you become new creatures. He couldn't do it any other way. He had to come and pay for it so that we would become new creatures. And new creatures are full of the fullness of God. Yes. And as a child of God, we have grace teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldliness and we should live. That is the outside, the manifestation, the way we live in the world. We should live soberly, righteously and godly in this. So a lot of times, you know, some churches when I come to Africa and try to teach, they don't want me to teach on grace uh, and I understand why. That's because there are people who teach grace it's like, okay, everything goes, do whatever you want to do. You know, God is love and everything is going to work out right. No, that, the Bible doesn't say that. They don't, they don't know what grace really is. And so what happens is one go to the other extreme and just say freedom for every sin. And on the other side, people are, you know, worried that, you know, that kind of gospel of grace are going to get people into trouble. Yes. And it is true. You know, people don't really teach what grace is. And so both parties are not benefiting from, from grace because on one side, they're not learning any lessons. They're not learning to live godly, righteously and soberly. And on the other side, the pastors are denying grace and they're going into the law and teaching that, you know, God is going to punish you for everything you do. Your blessings are dependent on what, how you work and how you live and your tithing. And so the devil got people on both sides of the, on the both sides of the road, on, on one on this side in the ditch and the other one on the other side of the ditch. Right. And both are wrong according to scripture. Grace is given to us so that what is in our spirit actually starts manifesting in our soul and in our body. But that is not the way people look at it. They think, oh, if I wake up and I, it doesn't matter whatever I do. No, Paul did explain the works of the flesh. And he gave us a whole list of the works of the flesh. He's the same guy who's teaching on the grace of God. He taught on a whole list before he went into the fruit of the Spirit. He gave us the works of the flesh. And that list is what grace is helping us to come out of so that we can walk in the fruit of the Spirit. Now the fruit of the Spirit is not going to manifest if we are walking in the works of the flesh. Because darkness and light cannot exist in the same mind or in the same soul at the same time. I'm not saying we got to be perfect for the fruit to manifest. No, we are not perfect. We are actually on the way to being matured. When the Bible talks about being perfect, it's talking about being matured. A mature Christian, a Christian who understands that grace is given to us to teach us. Once I understood that, Simon, my life has changed so much. Not just that, you know, I pray five times a day or, you know, I sing praises to God. No. I'm learning to live righteously, soberly, and godly in this world. Praise God. Now I do have a power to resist sickness, I mean, what do you call that, uh, uh, ungodliness and worldly lust. Grace is teaching me to do that. Now, you know, I know people might be listening to me and say, oh, you think you are right, you think you are better than us. It has nothing to do with that. It's stupid for me to think that way because it has nothing to do with anybody else or how they're living or what they're doing. It has to do with me. Am I allowing grace to teach me 
to live godly, soberly, and righteously in this world. So the thing is, it's just not that I want to be encouraged to, just to feel inspired. That's not enough because we need to learn how to live like that. And I'm not talking about living sinless. We all make sin, uh, we all do sins every day, either sins of the mind or of the body. But that is not where we stay. Right. I don't want to stay there. I want to grow into the fullness of Christ. And see, that's the area that the Christians don't really want to go to because that is going to affect their life. That is going to affect the way they think. Now, like I said before, Simon, I can't watch certain movies anymore. Like, I, I can't really sit and watch a movie where there's a rape scene going on. I can't. Me neither. You know, I used to do that, even as a missionary. Some years ago, I can sit and watch the whole sex scene, watch the girl being, you know, raped or somebody being butchered to death. And I didn't really, I didn't feel anything. Now I can't. I can't, I can't go through those kind of movies. Either I have to fast forward it or turn it off. Now people say, oh, you don't have a stomach for it. Amen. Honestly, I don't want to stomach that. Praise God. You know, and that is going into every area of my life now. I can't live in unforgiveness. I cannot think about somebody and feel bitterness. I can't. I just don't, you know, I, I know right now that if somebody hurt me, I know I'm going to forgive them right away. I already know that, even before they hurt me. See, that's not me. That's the nature of God manifesting. It's not me. I, I was never like that. I mean, I would hold bitterness for a long time and then brag about it and talk about it to other people uh, and mess them up too. But now it's very hard for me to talk about somebody else behind their back. It is just Titus 2, verse 11 and 12. I'm just doing exactly that. I just know grace is there to help me to overcome that immediately. But see, the thing is, that is not my mentality as a missionary for so many years. My mentality was, okay, if she speaks bad about me, I'm going to speak bad about her. I'm going to expose her. I'm going to bring everything out to the open. And that's how I live. So I, I did not have the fullness of God manifesting because I was so full of myself and my own way of dealing with hurt and my own way of choosing who to forgive, who not to forgive what to forgive, what not to forgive. But all of that is gone because I know now that my goal in life is to walk in the fullness of Christ. Not pretending to, not just in one area, but in every area of my life. I'm sorry if I'm getting excited, guys, but that's the way it is. And so, a lot of times, uh, a church message, most of the time, if you go to any church here in the States, either it's a message of condemnation, and sin consciousness, or it's a message of, oh, God loves you, and God cares for you, and God is good, and God is waiting as you go home, he's going to bless you mightily, and he's going to do all of these things. And so, those are the two messages you hear, whether on TV or whether on here. God is going to turn everything into gold, and blah, blah, blah. See, that's a message, but that's not what uh, Paul was talking about. Absolutely. And see, that is very inspiring to hear. So people move away from the church that is teaching condemnation and guilt, and they go into the other one in the thousands because it is what they want to hear. They want to be encouraged. Yes, that's good in the beginning. You got to know that God loves you beyond a shadow of doubt. And God has already blessed you. All of that is good, but you have to move on from there. 
you can't just stay there that's right like in a nursery where you got to be fed every day morning with encouragement no you got to move on and study the word and approve yourself unto god a workman that needeth not to be ashamed that's what the bible is talking about and so i had to make a decision and thank god i did and i hope i i hold on to it by god's grace and that is that i don't want to stay in the nursery i want to move on i want to go into the power of god i want to see the power of god manifest in my life amen if god's word says it i want it i don't i don't i'm not going to make excuses that it's not for me it's for somebody else and it was for paul's time it was for the time of peter no it is not just for that generation peter talked about it paul talked about it it is for ages to come Yes. And we are in that age, the time of the end when according to Daniel chapter 11 and verse 30, they that know their God shall do exploits. Praise God. See, we are here right now. I mean, in America it's getting to a state where if you don't get the vaccine, you are not going nowhere. You probably can't get a job. If you go into a medical facility, they're going to see if you have the vaccine vaccine before they let you in. See, it hasn't come to that yet, but it is coming to that. A lot of places, it's coming to that. So somehow, the crutches that we were holding on to in the system, uh, it's being removed. That's right. And so God is encouraging us to walk in His power. He's encouraging us to step out, not just to be encouraged every day. Okay, yes, I know God loves me. That was great, and you know, uh, I feel so warm inside oh, because gosh. of that. No, no, no. We got to move away from that warmth and to walk in the fire of God. Amen. So I'm not like in any way trying to come across as I have arrived. No, I'm learning. I'm growing. I'm making lots of mistakes, and but I don't stay in those mistakes. By God's grace, He's teaching me to move on. But my goal from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed is I want to walk. as Jesus walked on the earth it is his will for me to walk in the fullness inspiring you to dig deeper into god's word you're listening to nightlight now let's go to ephesians chapter 3 verse 19 it says and to know the love of christ which passeth knowledge that ye may be filled with all the fullness of god yeah and to know the love of christ which passes knowledge that's a human knowledge the human feelings human uh, you know emotions human understanding that you might be filled with all the fullness of god now paul already taught this he said that we are complete in him we are blessed with all spiritual blessings so our spirit has everything that we need we have the fullness of god in our spirit but here he's saying that we might so there is a condition there's a reasoning that here paul is using he's saying that you might be filled that filling is in your soul that is where you are going to walk in the fullness of god we are not walking in the fullness of god we have the fullness of god which is the nature of god but we are not walking in it so paul is saying when you know the love of god that passeth all understanding your soul is now going to be saturated with that knowledge he says and to know the love of christ which passeth now that that word there love of christ simon for a long time i thought that i know the love of christ because he died for me on the cross and i thought okay i know the love of christ but i didn't i knew part of the love of christ but i didn't know the full love of christ because it says that if you know the love of christ you will be filled with the fullness of god 
There is no ifs and buts about it. So I I got desperate in the sense that I want to know God. What is this love of God? Love of Christ. And as I studied the New Testament, I started understanding that Jesus not only paid for our sins with His blood, but He bought a whole bunch of things for us with His blood and with His death and with His resurrection. And in John, it talks about that what manner of love has the Father bestowed upon us that we might be called the sons of God. So John was saying. Wow! This amazing love is not just talking about Jesus dying on the cross. Yes, that was God's love for us, but He didn't leave us on the cross or at the foot of the cross. The Bible says we died with Him, we were buried with Him, and we are seated with Him in heavenly places. See, that is the love of God. So Paul is saying there's no human word, there's nothing we can comprehend. What manner of love has the Father? Bestowed upon us that we might be called the sons of God. See, the sons of God is the ultimate part of God's love for us. Not just Jesus died on the cross and our sins are forgiven, and that is great and that is wonderful and that is the love of God. But that's just the beginning. We can't stay at the foot of the cross. We died with Him on the cross. We were buried and we rose again. That rising power is what is in us. See, we are walking in that fullness. Yes. Not at the cross. That's right. Now, is the cross important? Yes. As a, when you come to God, you got to come through Jesus. You have to come through the cross. But most Christians want to hold on to the cross and say, "I'm right at the foot of the cross of Calvary," and they think that is being humble. That is being, you know, oh God, I'm so wretched. I am such a bad sinner. Save me! No, you are saved. You've been cleaned. You've been sanctified. You've been set aside. Jesus said to Paul, "Go get the Gentiles, so they have forgiveness of sins. Then they have inheritance. See, that is the love of God. Also, inheritance in those that are sanctified by the faith in Christ. So it's not just you are just forgiven. You are sanctified, cleansed, and you are set aside for a purpose that God can use you for." God didn't sanctify you so that the world can use you and mess you up, and you are at the mercy of the world. No, He sanctified you so that now you have an inheritance with the saints in light. That's right. Not in darkness. But a lot of times we say we are sanctified. Yes, our spirits are sanctified. We are made whole. We are complete. All of that, but it has to come into our soul. So that part is where we as Christians we fail. All we want on a daily basis is that oh, I just want to feel happy. I want to feel encouraged. So I'm going to read something in the Word, and oh yeah, that's good, and then go about our daily life. No, that has to be the state of our being day in and day out. Amen. Not just once a day or once in a while, but it should be something that is in us and with us and outside of us in our soul all the time. So Jesus told Paul right in the beginning, it's not just salvation. The word salvation is so misunderstood because we relate it to just forgiveness of sins and going to heaven. But the word saved or salvation means a whole bunch. Everything that Jesus paid for, including. Free from depression, sound mind—all of that, health, all of that is part of salvation. But we get saved, and we come to Christ, and then that's the end of it. 
you know, we might talk to some people about Jesus or do a little bit of work for Jesus. We think, okay, that is it. No, that's not what it is. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, to kill and to destroy, but I have come that you might have life and that life in abundance. Amen. So much life that it just flows out of you to other people. That is the love of Christ that the Bible is talking about in Ephesians. So much life that it just flows out of your mouth. Everything that you touch brings it to life. That is walking in the Spirit. That is walking in the fullness of God. And to do this, uh, Paul explains that to some extent. Okay, Ephesians 3, 16 through 19, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. So he says not just, oh yes, I know God loves me and I love Jesus. No, 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 no. He says that you may comprehend. That means some of us don't comprehend. That you may comprehend the length, the breadth, the depth and the height. That is the fullness of the love of God. That you may know the love of Christ. That you might be filled with the fullness of God. Simon, this is so amazing. And that's where you know, John said, what manner of love God has bestowed upon us that we might be called the sons of God. These two scriptures are for Christians, for sons of God. It's not for the world. They have to come through Jesus in order to experience this. They don't have this because the spirits are still under the power of darkness. It's not recreated and filled with the nature of God. So this is for us. But the sad part is that the devil has convinced us that, oh yeah, you know the love of God. Oh yes, you love God. God loves you. Great. Eh? No, no, no. He says you will be able to comprehend. That is a full experiential knowledge. Not just a knowledge of love of God, but an experimental knowledge. And you say, okay, I experienced love of God. You know, I was going through something and I felt God really close to me and he was hugging me and I could feel his warmth on me. Well, all of that is good. But Jesus never taught anything about going by your feelings. That's right. Paul never taught anything about going by his feelings either. Amen. If you look at the word, there's nothing about feelings. The word of God is established in the heavens forever. And we need to establish it on earth. That's our job. So yes, it's nice to have some you know, goosebumps going up and down our spines when we hear something <laughs> or when we feel something. That is good. But that is what people are waiting for. Oh, I didn't feel a, you know, a goosebump on my spine in church, so maybe I was not in the presence of God. See, it's not by feelings. It is by the word of God. Right, Simon? Amen. Now, now does we get some feelings sometimes? Yes. I mean, there are times sometimes I'm studying God's word, I start crying. But I'm not waiting to cry to know the, the word of God. Right. No, I have to walk in the word of God irrespective of what feelings I have. Whether my hair stands up on my, hair, on my hand or I just feel cold all over, it doesn't matter. We need to walk in the experimental knowledge of God's word. See, that is what we are not experiencing. Yes. And so to compromise, we go into emotions. God never promised any feelings. 
on the contrary god told moses in the beginning god told moses to strike the rock in the wilderness and the water will come out and moses did that and the water came out and then god told him don't strike the rock speak to the rock so now god is raising him up to a different kind of faith or a different level of faith you know because moses was frustrated with the people he took the stick and he smote the rock right and the water came out now god didn't go by saying okay moses i understand you were frustrated you are your emotions were hurt so okay that's fine no no god didn't do that god expected moses to follow his word based on his word and his word alone and not based on his feelings yes and because of that he did not go into the into the physical promised land of course he went to the the real promised land but he never went into the the physical promised land now is there a place for emotional feelings yes god gave us emotions i'm not you know saying you know that is bad or that is not right what i'm saying is that's not what we base on our walk with the lord our fullness of god manifesting in our life is based on the word of god and what jesus did for us and how this amazing love of god is that we have become the sons of god that we are called the sons of god yeah. what he's saying is like if we are called the sons of god means the fullness of god is in us and as we walk in the fullness of god we glorify god because the fullness of god will produce good works not works that we force ourselves to bring about but that is what you produce whether you like it or not that's what comes out like jesus could not help but heal everybody he said he healed them out of compassion not because he wanted to declare himself as a son of god because there were times he healed people and said don't tell anybody right if he was trying to you know declare himself as god he would not you'd have told everybody and that is the fullness of god god wants us to walk in all of these it wasn't made for a special people for a special time it is for us on whom the ends of the world have come but there is something we need to do simon and that is to get into the word not just word that inspires us it's a word that's going to change us romans chapter 12 verse 1 paul is begging the christian i beseech you to strongly beg that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto god which is your reasonable thing to start with you got to present your body your tongue is part of your body if you don't present your tongue if your tongue is not bringing life all the time in whatever situation it is in then you are not presenting your body every day much less the rest of our members our eyes our hands all of that and it has to be presented according to the word of god not according to oh i think i have faith for this oh i have faith for that no god is not talking about you have faith for what you need to have faith for what god's word says or what god's promises gives us that is what faith works for it doesn't work on human feelings but you know i used to say that oh yeah i have faith uh, you know i can drink half a bottle of rum I- i'm fine i have faith for that no 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 that's not how what the faith is the god's word says be not drunk in excess with a strong drink or wine see if i say i'm going to be drunk you know i have faith to drink half a bottle of wine that doesn't matter it matters whether i get drunk or not 
So people take faith and use it as a way to live in ungodliness and unrighteousness. No, that's not what the fullness of God is talking about. We know that the love of God is in us because the Bible says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit in our spirits. But it's not coming out yet because if it came out, every Christian, we would be the most loving person walking on the earth. So my goal is I want to know the depth, the height, the length and the breadth of God's love. Amen. That I can walk in the fullness of Christ. Every day when I wake up, that's my goal. It's not my goal, okay, I'm going to read that work or I'm going to read, you know, all these pages. No, my goal is I want to walk in it and to know the love of God in height, depth, length and breadth. It is packed in the seed of God's word. God's word is packed with that seed, the fullness of God. So that is what I want to get into. It's nightlight. What a delight. Okay, to wrap up here, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to go to verse 11, 12, and 13. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Yeah, so here, I mean, I taught on this before in a new creation class, but when you look at it from the fullness of Christ, he says here, and he gave some apostles. So apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, anyone that is promoting, helping, teaching, building uh, the kingdom of God, he said this is the reason that God gave these people to the church. For the perfecting of the saints. The Bible says you're perfect in Christ, you're complete in Christ, that is your spirit. But then there is something on the soul that has to happen. So these people are helping the Christians to mature. That's what the word perfecting means. To mature, to be mature saints for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. Edifying means to build up, not just to encourage, but to build up. Yes. Build them up, you know, to what? Verse 13 explains that till we all come in the unity of the faith. Right now, the unity of faith in the Christian world is very bad. Everybody's running around with their own doctrine and saying, no, this is grace is that, grace is this. Oh, no, this is that and this is that. We haven't come to the unity of faith. Yes, we all believe in Jesus, but faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that's where a lot of us, we, we make mistakes because we listen to that person and this person and this person and that person. And every new thing that comes is like, wow, we need to get into that. But never establishing yourself in the word. And that is called studying, right? Thyself of fruit unto God. Thyself of fruit unto God. Establishing yourself in the word of God to where you can't be moved. Right? right? And it says here, till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. The word knowledge there is experiential knowledge or a knowledge that is comprehended. That means it is working. I might know everything about driving a car, 
I go online, I, you know, I do virtual reality stuff, you know, I'm sitting in a fake car, I'm driving, everything is going good. All of that is good. I can study about standard uh, transmission, automatic transmission, but when I get in the car, I need to have experimental knowledge. Yes. Not the knowledge that is in my head. I need that knowledge to transmit to every part of my body, my legs, my hands, my eyes, so that my legs and my hands, they operate without me having to think about it. That is the knowledge he's talking about. He's writing to Christians. They already know Jesus. They know the knowledge of Son of God, but they didn't have an experimental knowledge like Paul had. So he's saying, till all come to the knowledge of the Son of God onto a perfect man, that is a matured man, a matured Christian, onto the measure of the fullness or the stature of the fullness of Christ. So he's not just talking about coming to Christ and getting saved. Right. He's talking about after that. A lot of times, all of my knowledge basically was knowledge in my head. I knew scriptures, you know, I could teach a class about the end time, or I could teach a class on how to forgive people, I could teach a class on uh, humility, all of that. But that is not what he's talking about. He's talking about an experimental knowledge where you grow to the fullness, the full stature of the fullness of Christ. Why? The next verse says that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried away with every wind of doctrine. You see there, he didn't say every wind of the word of God. That's right. He's talking about doctrine, man's doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So when we get into the fullness of Christ, when we grow up, Paul is saying you will not be like a child, you will not be tossed with every wind of doctrine. You can hear a doctrine and you know, wow, that's not according to the word of God because right here in God's word says this. And so see, that is walking in the fullness of Christ. You know, I'm maybe halfway probably through the class, I don't know. But Simon, that is what I believe with all of my heart according to the word of God, not because I believe somebody told me this or I heard somebody preach it. It's because I know from God's word, this is what God wants us to do in the end time. Yes. Is to get into the fullness. Yes, we want to teach, we want to bring others to Christ, we want to teach others, but we need to get into it ourselves. We need to be walking in the fullness of God. Amen. Where this fullness, this nature of God is manifesting in our daily life. And my, that is my prayer every day for everyone that I teach, is that they can grow into the fullness of Christ. And because without the fullness of Christ, we are not going to be useful to the kingdom of God as much as God wants us to be. We will be useful to some extent. But don't we all want to be used by, the, by God to the fullness? Amen. There's an Old Testament verse, the Bible says, or maybe it's New Testament, He said, the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro, right, looking for someone in whom He can show Himself strong. Yes. See, God is looking. In the Christian world, looking at us to see, can I make myself strong in you? And Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. A lot of times we don't want the word to abide. We want every other doctrine and every other, you know, thing to abide in us. But he says, if my words abide in you. See, that's what God is looking for. 
Of course, he can use anybody, he can change anybody, but he already changed us in the inside and he's looking for us to help that change to come out into the fullness of Christ. Now again, I don't want anyone to feel bad or anything for because I am not walking in the fullness of Christ yet. But I have a goal, I have a vision, I want it more than anything else in my life. And I'm trying to do what God wants me to do every day, to walk in the fullness, not just teaching or preaching, but to walk in that fullness. So when I see someone uh, that needs help, whether they're sick or they're tormented by the devil or they're depressed, or I see some kind of, a, you know, a strife going on in people's life, I make it my own. See, when I hear somebody saying, oh, my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law, you know, they're fighting and their kids are all suffering, I don't know them, but at that moment, I make it my job to cast that thing out. Even though I don't see them, I have never met them, it becomes my responsibility because I heard it. That's right. And I have the power in me to do something about it. I can rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus, the spirit of Satan working in that family. I can cast it out. I've done it before and it worked. So when I hear that, I am the one that God found to hear that message. And so I have a job, I have a responsibility to respond to that dark kingdom and bring the kingdom of light into those people's lives, even though I have not, because the Bible says our warfare is not with flesh and blood. I don't have to know who they are. I know Satan is the cause of that strife. Yes. So I have a right. And God said, we don't wrestle with them, but we wrestle against principalities, against powers, against rulers of wickedness of this world, against wickedness in high places. So those are spiritual beings, and I don't need to touch somebody. I know they are there, and I can use the word of God to cast it out, even though I don't see them. I, you know, I can't just have sympathy and say, oh, poor people, I hope they make it. No, that is sympathy. But the Bible doesn't say you walk in sympathy, we walk in compassion. And compassion does something about the situation. Don't just say sorry, right? It's never completely dark when you're listening to Nightlight. Nightlight. Anyway, I have to wrap it up here. Guys, I'm sorry if I'm coming out a little strong, but you know, I can't just keep teaching soft messages sometimes. I mean, this is not hard. This is the Bible and this is, I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad or condemned, but I know God is going to pull us all up together as we follow his word. Amen. And Simon, the good news about that uh, neighbor lady, right? Yes, what happened? I mean, I just met her a few days ago. Uh, she is beaming. <laughs> Praise God. She is full of life. And she's so happy and she's excited. You know, uh, she's uh, studying the word now. Oh, that's and, great. You know, she's just, you know, totally excited. The thing is, Simon, if we are really saved, that means if our spirits are recreated, it's created in light. So our spirit is light. Just like Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, he let his light out, right? Yes. That's the same light we have, what is inside of us. But because our mind is not renewed, we don't let the light out as much as we should. And, you know, so none of us uh, who are really saved can actually be possessed. That's right. By Satan. But we can have evil spirit oppress us to the point of 
deep depression to the point of where we kill ourselves or to the point we hurt others. That can happen because our soul can be dominated by the world and by the thoughts of man. But our spirits cannot be dominated, cannot, Satan cannot enter because we are sealed by the Holy Ghost. He talks about that in Ephesians. Right. And so Satan or the evil spirits cannot enter us, but they can torment us in our mind and he can make us, they can make us do things uh, that we don't want to do if we yield to that. But I know I'll never be possessed. But I, I have been oppressed many a time, uh, even as a missionary, you know, I had depression at, at one point uh, for a long time, like three months. Another time, you know, I walked in uh, bitterness for a long time, uh, all of that. So, you know, we as Christians, we can be oppressed, but we can't uh, be possessed if we are truly saved. And you know what, I'm excited. If someone calls me and says, oh, can you help with someone being possessed? I'm going to fly there, right? <laughs> I know because, you know, my fight is with the kingdom of darkness, not with people. Right. Actually, this testimony of casting out a demon from your neighbor's wife, Melvin, I think is a needed heads up for us all to realize that we never know when the Lord may suddenly call upon us to do the same, especially as we go deeper into the dark days of the end time and demonic activity increases. Yes. The thing is, for a long time, I thought this was was for special people and God is anointing certain people to do that. No. As a child of God, you have been anointed by the Word of mm -hmm. God. The Holy Spirit is the anointing. Now, the gifts may vary. That means, you know, the Holy Spirit gives gifts according to who he feels. The gifts are not what we are talking about. We are talking about the fullness of Christ. Right. Uh, Jesus didn't walk in the gifts. He walked in the fullness. Paul walked in the fullness, right? And so, uh, we are not just looking for the gifts, even though we want, you know, we want to use the gifts uh, in the time being when we are getting into the fullness of Christ. The gifts are given to operate during the time. But the goal is for us yes. to be to the fullness of Christ. So I want to encourage everybody not to think like, oh, it is only for... No, no, it is for all of us. We all have the same power, all have the same spirit, right? Right, and we all can get called upon at any time. I mean, you were on your way to go shopping, and then out of the blue, you were suddenly thrust into that situation. So we always need to be ready. Yeah, you're right, Simon. That is so right, because, you know, my daughter, when she came to visit us for Christmas... Whenever we went out, she was alert in the sense that she was on vacation, but her training and who she is as a police officer keeps her, you know, alert, watching out for her family wherever we went, right? See, that's how we are. We are, we, we are alert on this earth. We are ambassadors. And so, no matter where and when God calls us or circumstance comes to being, we can jump into it. Anyway, Simon, thank you so much. And, you yeah. know, we'll finish this class, uh, you know, some other time. Thank you, Melvin. We look forward to that. Yes. And Melvin will be back on the next Nightlight Show with another very important class, very relevant to the times in which we are living, a class on coming out and being separate from the world. So you can look forward to that. And I'll look forward to being back again with you then for another international edition of Nightlight. Bye for now.